Hello and welcome back to the Field of Design podcast for your news, stories and nonsense from the sports apparel and sports creative industry. My name is Mason and now I'm joined by a man who has been blessed with being able to open a packet of wraps and it not be stuck together. But since coming to Australia struggles with this on a daily basis, it is Nick Bassett. That was true for about six months, but ever since I've been working from home, no stickage, just perfect peel. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the so home some... wraps are better than the work wraps. Well, well hang on. Aren't, are they the same wraps? Are you shopping at a different location? Are you nah, shopping nah. a different brand? Same wraps. Must be something to do with the humidity levels and uh, moisture in the air, you know, scientific things. Could be transport. Could be transport. The aircon in the work office. No aircon at home. Mm. Haven't you recently moved too? Oh, in January. It's, it's nearly a year now. So, so that the moving of the home didn't have any role in it. Maybe it nah. was a COVID thing. Maybe, maybe it was COVID. COVID wraps, dodgy. COVID, COVID was sticking them together. That could Why be. Why are it. we talking about wraps? Oh well, <laughs> I don't know. Mate, Lucky I still, have, I still have that problem. So it's not a transport thing. It's just something with your situation of where yeah, you're living right you now. You live in South Brisbane. Why did you move there? It's too oh. far away. Get over it, my God. <laughs> Man lives in Gold Coast. <laughs> Not quite. Don't give away my actual postcard, <laughs> please. Uh, also, good job on deciding to post something just as we're recording too. We're recording on a Wednesday at around 8 o'clock and um, oh, yes. our Instagram is just blowing up, so I'm hitting silent on it just to make sure that nothing comes through. Apparently our uh, episode came out tonight. For last week, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Get on the social media, guys, mate. Get them into yeah. Get them into line. Anyway, come on, let's go, let's go, let's do this. Uh, okay, so um, big episode this week. Got a great topic to talk about. Um, some highlights are new partnerships in the AFL, uh, new logo for a big Queensland rugby league club. Pantone is being Pantone, uh, and some new theme jerseys are, are along the way. We are then going to do a deep dive into athlete logos. So hope you enjoy. Uh, if you would like to keep up with the visual references in today's show, you can a few different ways. You can follow the links in the podcast apps episode description or follow the episode blog on our website, which is not live yet. But if you're listening to this in, say, I don't know, six months time, if we eventually get to it, it will be there. But um, blog is coming soon on the way, probably not six months. Um, or you can follow along with the episode highlights reel at our Instagram at field of design podcast, or just the major talking points or references via the Instagram page. If we have missed anything, feel free to give us a bell or simply want to get in touch. You can through the Instagram or via our email at field of design podcast at gmail.com. Um, I'm hearing some excitement in your voice tonight, mate. You, you got a big topic on you. A bit of buzz. No, yeah. I've had a shit day actually, a really oh. shit day. So um, uh, it's a bit of false uh, gusto, to be fair. Um, Still sounds good from my end, that gusto level. So oh, great. let's go. Cool. Let's keep it up. Uh, some positive uh, feedback from our highlights as well. I think we've had messages on messages of new listeners saying it'd be great to get some decent visual references. Um, and I think we're, we're onto something with those highlights. So thank you for everyone 
for reaching out and saying you're enjoying it because there's a bit of work that goes into that stuff, as you can imagine. Um, but yeah, we're able to, we've, we've worked it out to be able to get that to you. So yes. All right. On to the news. So fresh off the rank is Ipswich Jets have released a new logo. In our 40th anniversary year, we thought it was time to refresh the logo. It has been around 15 years since the logo was last changed and a lot has changed over that time within the Ipswich Jets. Our strength as a brand and commercial entity, our foray into other sports, the importance that women now play at the club at elite level across two sports under our brand with the representation of the board down our growth as a club are four key areas. The fighter jet featured in the current logo has retired, so to stay relevant and maintain a connection with the Amberley-based fighter jet, we drew on the newest twin-seat FA18F Super Hornet as inspiration. So we have the pleasure in revealing our brand new shiny logo that will cover the entire program across both rugby league and netball as of 1st of November 2022. Great work by the Ipswich Jets. Yeah, huge upgrade on what they had. Um, that one definitely needed a bit of an upgrade with the sort of weird angled text that they had. Um, so, yeah, this is a huge upgrade. The only thing you could probably pick apart would be the sort of placing of the, the Ipswich at the top and then the established 1982 down the bottom. That's probably a little bit squished at the bottom and then Ipswich at the top sort of sits in the middle of nowhere, but... Um, overall a huge upgrade yeah i so the ipswich jet colors are green and white with some yellow detail in it right um it looks like the yellow slightly changed it will in the logo at least to a more what we like to call a sand golden type color uh it looks like the ipswich along the top is following the path of the the top of the shield yeah whereas the jets is sitting you know quite um, vertical, uh, horizontal, I guess, without the curve in it. Um, I think that's probably throwing me off more. I'd nearly, nearly like to say, does it, it, it could probably sit straight in that space and not yep. sit out of place, but I, I don't think it's too terrible. I, I probably, yeah, I'd say the EST 82 is probably a little bit more, um, no, I wouldn't even say it's concerning. Like, it's a fantastic logo. I just think that's probably, yeah. it sticks out, I guess you could say. Like, it, it looks like it probably doesn't need to be there. It isn't quite in the right spot. Maybe they shifted the, the plane up, the jet up, um, but then it would be impeding on the jet's text. But, look, I love it. I love the detail. Um, I love the shape. You know what yeah, I've said a, a few times now? I'm starting to become a big fan of logos that have, you know, dropping the the team name and just having yep. their location and then the jet, it's nearly like we're looking at Ipswich Jets Jets or Ipswich Jets Jet. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I understand that that's also, you know, it's still part of the uh, current um, branding. So, yeah, I think it's great. I love it. Massive improvement. I was looking at this Jets logo a couple of weeks ago thinking, man, they desperately are in need of a rebrand or a, ref- a refresh at least. That the old Jets logo was really warpy and twisted and I'm not even sure uh, what the purpose of it was, but... It was yeah, definitely day-to-day. Day. Yeah. That old one, yeah. Jumping across now to some announcements. So West Coast have announced their partnership with New Balance, which I think everyone, well, everyone in the forums saw coming for a while. 
There was no real big secret there if you're on in that space. Uh, similarly, Brisbane Lions have announced with New Balance as well. And Cronulla Sharks have moved over to Classic after their departure from Dynasty Sport. Bulldogs have released uh, a member's jersey or are releasing a member's jersey. So it looks like um, you've got a limited amount of time to to register in for that. And then shifting over now to some theme jerseys, we've got Melbourne United Cultural. So this is off the back of last year's uh, cultural or multicultural, sorry, uh, jersey. This year, the design features flags from around the globe amalgamated into one pattern and featured within the word United. Melbourne looks to embrace the multicultural city in which they play. The jerseys will also house the flags of each player's home country above their number and have their name featured in that nation's colours on the back of the uniform. It's a better execution this year than last year. Do you agree? Yeah, for sure. It's... But paired more paired back and um, simpler. It would have been nice if this came out last week. Uh, <laughs> Why do you say that? Well, well because know. we're talking about flags. Oh, flag <laughs> episode. Um, yeah, I like the, uh, the the flags over the shoulders. The colours seem to work well with that navy. Navy's always a nice base for that kind of stuff. Look, to be fair, the, the article says 14 days ago, so we're a little bit late on this one, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think it just sits a lot better than last year's. I recall not being a bigger fan of what they did last year with the flags. So, yeah, better execution. Yeah, they sort of – it was more down the side last year, wasn't it? That's right, yep. Yeah. And across the Dutch, Wellington – Wellington Phoenix charity jersey. So Wellington played in some on-off I Am Hope charity jerseys against MacArthur in a 4-1 victory on Sunday. I Am Hope aims to promote positive. Whoa, my font is really small there. Attitudinal social... What is this? I Am Hope Hope aims to promote positive attitudinal societal change around mental health through New Zealand, offering hope and a voice to young people. All net proceeds raised from the sale of the shirts will go towards supporting free counselling to young Kiwi kids across New Zealand. Yay, nay? Nice jersey. Um... They they do something quite different with these jerseys every year. Um, one year I know they had purple and green, and then this pink with some bright yellow and navy trim. Um, the sort of Maori cultural pattern over the sleeves. Um, so nice jersey overall. Uh, I think the yellow trim on the collar and the shorts works well as well. Uh, and then yeah, anything to support sort of kids and uh, mental health in New Zealand is always. A benefit. Yeah. Is the yellow just a tie-in back to the club's colours, yeah? Yeah, you'd, you'd have to assume so. And to, to win 4-1 on it, not a bad uh, outing for the jersey. Fair call. Good on them. All right. Shall I pass this one over to you, bud? What do we got? A uh, bit of news from one of our listeners, Dane Roy. Thanks for the uh, tip, mate. Um, the Miami, Ohio University will wear a special uniform and helmets to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the relationship between the Miami tribe of Oklahoma uh, and the university. 
the university and the tribe are hosting a week-long series of events to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Nepuan Denki, the Mayamiya word meaning learning from each other. Uh, the celebration is the cornerstone event to a year-long commemoration of the two Miami's partnership. Um, so the jersey, well, the, the sort of football uniform features a sort of denim look to it, grey denim, uh, the the tribal pattern over the shoulders, some sort of triangle-looking art, and then the, the tribe's logo on the sleeve there. Um, denim kits have been tried and tested throughout a few teams in a few places. I don't mind this one. Have they? Uh, Maybe it's time to bring back the jersey reveal segment. Do a bit of a deep dive <laughs> into that for me, mate. I haven't. I actually haven't seen much of it before. I will give you. I'll give you one at the end of this episode, unplanned. How about that? All right. Awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I like this one. The the sort of blacks um, sewing, I think, works well with it, and uh, logos cool on the helmet and, and shoulders. So. For something different in a one game outing, why not? Yeah, I actually don't mind it at all. It's definitely different. And last week, uh, for all of our people in the industry, uh, Adobe removed support for free Pantone colors across its all of its creative cloud applications. To be fair, but Photoshop, InDesign, Illustrator, um, Photoshop files that contain Pantone spot colors now display unwanted black in their place. So I've taken a few of these notes from The Verge, but uh, I'm sure there's a few other sites that are reporting and and mentioning this. Um, So Pantone claimed that the colours have been poorly maintained and and inaccurate for a few years now. And so the decision was made and actually announced earlier in the year um, to move to a subscription-based model. So if you're using an Adobe-related software, um, and you want to reference your Pantone colors. Oh, can you see that message that's just come through? Sorry, I just got distracted. Um, if you want to uh, use your Pantone colors, you're now going to have to pay a subscription of $15 per month or $90 annually, and I believe that's in US. So, um, Nick, for those who may be unaware of what Pantone is or what we would use Pantone for, particularly in our apps such as Illustrator or Photoshop or whatnot, do you want to just explain a little bit of what, what Pantone is and its purpose? Um, as far as I understand, it's it's sort of a uh, like a consistent color that any printer can sort of print and everyone sort of knows that's yeah. that's my understanding of it. Um, yeah, a universal color system, right? Yeah. Yeah, so if I if you've got a if you've got a book or a, a swatch and I've got a book or a swatch, we can talk to each other on the phone or email each other and go, we're referencing Pantone one, two, three, coded, uncoded, gloss, whatever. Um, and it's it's essentially considered a universal coloring system. So your your printers know what color you're referring to. People on screen know what color you're referring to. For us working in apparel, um, you don't get Pantone sublimation colors, but you can at least reference to your production team or your factories or your contractors or whatever to go. Uh, I need what Brisbane Broncos maroon. Well, that is specifically Pantone, blah, 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 blah. Um, and anyone and it's, who. It's quite big for us, isn't it? With the way the sort of sublimation process works, you 
can never trust printers to be exactly the same, no matter if the CMYK values are the same. So, um, you know, you, you move to a different company, you give them the CMYK values. Okay, the printer might be different, whereas Pantone's always going to be the same. That's right. So uh, if we were to be working in a sublimation factory house or, or, or whatever, um, we would be adjusting our printers to print to certain CMYK value, C being blue, M being magenta or red, yellow, uh, red or pink, I guess, um, Y being yellow and K being key or black. We would adjust the those color combinations from 0% to 100% of output on our print heads to um, mix those colors together to get a certain color value. So rather than um, what some printer applications or appliers would do was um, you can buy purposely colored Pantone ink that will print that purpose color. It's a, it's a spot color. Um, but us that work in sublimation, um, we would reference that Pantone. The factory would go and adjust their CMYKs until they've got the color that they you know they believe is 100% closest representative using the values that they've got to match their Pantone color book. So um, not the biggest deal for us. I mean, we work on screens. So screens are RGB, red, green, blue, um, light. Combining those colors will generate different colors, whereas print, you're working with ink. So it works differently, but we still need to reference reference those colors, right? Yeah, and something I've always found interesting between sort of CMYK and RGB is they're completely flipped almost. Zero 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 RGB is black, right? So it's the absence of any light, whereas a hundred K is black, so it's all of the ink, so it's completely opposite. Or a hundred K or one hundred, one hundred, one hundred, one hundred for heavy yeah. black, right? Is is yeah, full colour. Yeah. So yeah. It's sort of flipped it's... and it takes a little while to get your head around. Yeah, and bigger color differences. So that, then it comes down. We should probably do a whole episode on this because we're <laughs> getting way off topic. But um, yeah, different color profiles on your screens, different color profiles in your systems, um, different color profiles in your uh, print drivers. They can all affect the color output. Um, whether it's you're working for print on paper, whether it, you're working for print on sublimation, or you know whether you're working for dyeing, you know. Who knows what else? There's plenty of things I can't think of right now. But um, from our point of view, what it means is if you want to have access to those libraries and and set your files to be that color, um, you're going to have to pay that subscription going now. Now, I read somewhere a, a good two or three months ago that there was actually a theory that Adobe's been paying the subscription or the license for Pan to Pantone to use Pantone colors in their system and they've gotten to a point where they don't want to pay that anymore and they've come to a deal with um, Pantone from a publicity point of view that they'll both agree that it's just moving forward, this is what we're going with, but I have a feeling this is a cost-related thing for Adobe um, and, you know, Pantone just wanting to get two bites at the cherry. See, we need to buy the Pantone books, right? You need to actually buy a Pantone book so we have a visual, physical reference to the colors that we're referring to. In my view, if we've bought the book, we should already have access to the additional tool that's required on the screen to be able to match that. But For sure. Uh, anyway, let's... Pro Jeez, I guess we've, we've rambled on that for a while. But I guess probably... it's just another uh, company expense, right? 
Can do, yeah, <laughs> depending on what com- company you work for. And that's probably where it's really going to hurt people. It's going to yeah. hurt those freelancers or, you for know, sure. contractors. It's, you know. It's another output, up, isn't it? Up and coming um, graduates or artists or whatever. It's not going to hurt the big corporations because they'll just, you know, as you said, just add it to the company company card or write-off or whatever. But for young freelancers or independents um, or those just, Starting out, that's another cost on top of your Adobe Creative Cloud subscription that you already have to pay on top of buying the book itself, which aren't cheap either. I think they're, you know, circa $700 for a book and that's just one book. If you want coded, so if you want uh, paper with a gloss finish and you want paper with a, you know, a matte finish, um, if you're working in fabrics as well, you can get fabric ones, you know, they're, they're not all cheap. No. And it's a, it's amazing the difference between the coated and uncoated books, the the gloss and the matte yeah. books. So, yeah, yeah, you sort of do need the different options there. And if you're working in, um, like, uh, you know, if you're building stuff. You know, I've seen three D printers and stuff now. You know, like, like there's plastic chips, Pantones as well. So you yeah. you know you could be referencing in plastic or other you know materials. Um, Geez, the plastic chip ones I think was in the thousands for a sample book of that. Imagine paying over a thousand dollars for a color reference book and then still having to pay an extra, you know, US ninety dollars a year just to be able to reference those colors on the screen. Anyway, the links in the podcast apps episode description mention some workarounds for those that do work in the industry that don't want to pay the ridiculous fees for some that. Money. And, uh, yeah, I think that concludes today's rant. And um, (laughs) thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Uh, So let's actually move on now to the episode topic, which is athlete logos. Hell yeah. Geez, over the last 30 years, we've seen an explosion of athlete logos enter the, the atmosphere of sport. We'll probably touch on a few of the the popular ones today. I don't know exactly how we're gonna work our way through this, um, but um, yeah, since the early you know early what we'd say eighties, I think yeah, yeah, based on my research, early eighties into the eighties nineties is where it kind of started with your iconics like your your jump man, um, Greg Norman Shark, which I've got a little bit of information on, and it exploded from there as apparel and footwear companies strike deals with up-and-coming and and high-profile athletes to not only sell their souls but also their brands and get in much more money and build much more hype. Yep. Yeah, everyone's got a set of initials and a number written together these days, don't they? That that is is one of the trends that that, um, did happen for a while. After silhouettes, right? Silhouettes seemed to be the first thing, and then from there it jumped to to initials and and playing numbers. Yep. And then you get some unique ones in between. So, what have you got for us, mate? What, do you want to throw some at the table that we can dissect? I guess I guess we should probably start with Jumpman, um, probably the original and most famous of of the lot. Michael Jordan's famous famous logo the air jordan logo um mm-hmm. it was drawn in 1988 by tinker hatfield and there was a little bit of sort of back and forth over who owned the rights for it actually beforehand before the official logo was drawn uh, the first shoe to carry the logo was the air jordan 3 
Yep. And obviously the logo has become synonymous with, with basketball and NBA and has transcended sport and become sort of a, a street culture and, and fashion symbol around the world. Um, like the number 23 we spoke a few weeks ago about, mm. um, the Jumpman logo has become sort of ingrained in culture and, and people's minds. Um, in 2018, Jordan, the, the brand Jordan, signed an exclusive deal with PSG, the French football club. Um, that deal comes to an end this season, but uh, it was an exclusive deal with the football club and, and a real signal of intent for Jordan to to move into different sports and um, rather than, than just being in the basketball space. Is it still, is it Jordan itself or is it just a department of Nike? Yeah, it's it's a... It's a yeah, it's a department of Nike, right? It's mm. it's Jordan in co- collaboration with Nike, sort of thing. Because I think he's, it, he's not the one running around signing de- signing deals with PSG. No, he cool. probably just gets a cut of it. But it, it goes to probably a, a an episode topic that we had a little while ago on um, culture, or or um, when we're talking about where PSG wants to sit itself in the the street culture sort of fashion. Yeah. Yeah. The, and so rather than just signing with Nike, you know, who you could argue Nike is sitting more in that um, elite sports wear or elite sports space, they've aligned with Jordan, which is probably more of that fashion culture status position, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because the home shirt has always featured the Nike logo mm-hmm. uh, for PSG. Uh, I suppose, yeah, we're focusing a bit on PSG here rather than Jordan, but yep. um, it's only ever been their way, the third or the even the special fourth kits that that um, the Jordan logo's been on. So, yep. yeah, they're definitely trying to establish themselves as that sort of fashion club, uh, and that's something they've made a real effort to do with the sort of uh, being bought out by oil money effectively. Uh, they've tried to expand themselves and become a club that doesn't need to rely on the oil money if it leaves, but um, sure. become that sort of hipster club to follow. Yeah. So so jumping back to the, the jump, man, the, the logo was – created from a photo shoot right like they were doing well originally replicated another photo yeah yeah so the there was an original photo shoot i think it was in 1984 from what i can remember reading over the past Mm -hmm. few days um and then the actual logo itself recreated that photo and the difference between the two was was basically his backhand being outstretched so the the original photo had a sort of curved hand whereas Obviously, the fingers are spread on the right hand in the in the logo. Yeah, yep. And what do you think of the logo itself? Oh, it's be- become an icon, hasn't it? It's it's simple. Um, that simple silhouette can be used in any color on anything. Uh, you, no way does it need any text to sort of be recognizable around the world of the way it's grown. Mm. Um, yeah, and it, for sure. Yeah, interestingly as well, in in the fifth episode of. Uh, the last dance, Jordan mentioned he would have preferred to sign with Adidas, uh, having had a love of their shoes. Uh, so they must be kicking themselves 40 years later that they they decided not to go with him. Yes, I do remember that, actually. He was always an, a stripes man. Um, and then I think, yeah, 
when Nike came knocking, there was an opportunity there that he just couldn't refuse. Yeah, that effectively gave him his own brand. Yeah. I think like most people, I think it's a great logo. Like the, the silhouette generally is is a um, really clever and handy way to generate communication without words or text. Yeah, it's um, sort of that show don't tell, right? Yeah. That you get in good movies as well. And, you know, the, the shape is so iconic and you've got to argue that there is an element of that just growing and adopting over time. Um don't know whether you recall the original Air Jordan logo that featured on the first pair of shoes. It, it kind of had, it's now like a car badge now, I think. Yeah. It's got that kind of circular with the wings out the sides and. Almost looks like, um, is it Jaguar? Uh, no, Aston Martin. Aston Martin, that's right. Yeah. Aston yeah. Martin. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of had that, that same feel to it. Uh, really messy. You know, when you look at, when you look at the, um, the ideal principles of a logo, like it didn't tick many of the boxes. It wasn't clean and simple and easy to draw and all that kind of stuff. I guess you could argue that the Jumpman logo isn't the easiest to draw, but I think you can get away with illustrating it in a simpler form and people still know what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big, big fan of this logo. I think it will, it has stood the test of time. It will continue to stand the test of time. And there's probably maybe only two or three more logos, which we'll, I'm sure we'll look at in today's app that, um, yeah. that will, you know, will stick with that. I think um, if we sort of, the culture and the sort of, you know, what it's provided to the rest of the NBA as well, you've got brands and, and shoe deals for all these. You know, everyone wants to recreate that magic of the Jordan brand. Uh, so obviously guys like LeBron has his LJ King logo mm. and then Steph, Steph Curry with his, or recently changed, but the original SC30, um, Kobe's logo, Kyrie as well. So plenty there. Yeah. Well, on the Kobe, that was one that I kind of earmarked a little bit. So I'll jump yep. into that one. Um, so I don't know whether you know this, but uh, he was first... Uh, signed with Adidas. So when we were talking before about Jordan, so he was he was on the Adidas train, um, and he actually had a silhouette logo that featured on uh, his early branded shoes, which uh, was just uh, the side um, perspective of of a younger Kobe that um, featured a, an afro, a, a froby, yep. I guess, if you will. <laughs> um, but then he moved over to Nike in two thousand and three, and in about 2005 was when his logo was released with the with Nike's fourth iteration of the Air Warachi 2K5s, um, and that logo is now what we know as the the sheath. Um, the shoe designer, who was Erica Var, said that the mark was inspired by Japanese samurai warriors. Um, and Kobe said it, it resembles the sheath of a samurai sword. The sword is the raw talent and the sheath is the package that it is kept in. Um, at the time, I think when the logo was released, there was a, people were used to a certain thing and, and this logo coming out was not that. Um, you know, we've, got yeah. the, we've talked about it, we've got the Tiger Woods, you know, we've got a whole lot of things that I guess tie into um, what that athlete is or what their persona is, whereas this logo was a little bit 
more uh, left of field with that. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think it, it ever fully caught on with a whole lot of people, but, you know, there mm. are still a lot of massive Kobe fans that are a big fan. Um, curiously, Another... so, so just, so curiously, the, the, the logo actually, um, some, some keen eyes spotted a very similar logo in the movie Kill Bill. Um, so I don't know whether you are familiar with the movie. <laughs> um, the, I think one of the villains, uh, Beatrix Kiddo, um, also known as the Black Mamba in the movie, um, used a sword and on the hilt of that sword had a logo that was very similar to that. Now, I think that movie came out in maybe 2002, 2003. Um, so there could potentially, um, there's been speculation that maybe that uh, the logo was inspired from, <laughs> from Kill Bill. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, I don't know if it's a subconscious thing, but you also do get that sort of Black Mamba snake vibe from it in a weird way. Maybe a cobra with the wings and then the tail yeah. going down. But It's one yeah. of those, it's like a Rorschach type thing, right? Like you, you kind of look at it and then you make your own shapes out of it. You know, what, yeah. what could it be? Um, Kobe's had a few different logos over his time, as I mentioned, the the early one and then the the sheath, the, the popular one. Uh, he's also then um, released a few others that are more like corporate related. Um, yeah, they sort of have their suite of brands, don't they? Investment funds and that type of stuff. But obviously, yeah, this one is the one that he is most known for from his sporting arena. Yeah, for sure. Um, just another couple of quick hits, I guess, in the NBA before we can move on to a few different sports. But um, Please don't just... take my favourite one because I've left it there to save it. In the NBA? Yeah, go ahead. We'll talk about it if you bring okay. it up. What, which one is it? D-Rose, Derek Rose. Yeah, right. I didn't even look into that one, so okay. I'll give you that. All right. That's like when I look at athlete logos, I know we're going to touch on, you know, the, the goat, the big one, the main man, but um, D-, D Rose's logo, I think, is just so geniusly designed. And I don't know when we talk about marketing spin whether you know some of this stuff was added later. But uh, the logo was um, designed by Quinton Brewer uh, via Adidas. So I'm not sure whether he was contracted or employed by Adidas at the time. Um, Rose, obviously, being his last name, so the three leaves or rose petals represent each of his older brothers. Um, now, when he was at Chicago, he had the number one. So in the middle is a number one in the negative space or yep. opposite space. Um, and the middle not only signifies his number, but also his mother. So I think he's um, he's publicly been very uh, open about his close, tight relationship. And I think he's had a bit of a hard upbringing. Um, so the close relationship that he's had with his family and family is really important to him. So they've kind of tied that all in there but I, I just love the aesthetic of that logo i love the simplicity um yeah the, the creative element there of being able to put that number one in um and also on quinton's portfolio page surprisingly he actually does share a whole lot of his working files and some of the other logos that um he yeah, had right. he had drawn up before getting to this one here you know, that could have all been done post as well. I'm not sure, but um, he definitely picked the best of the bunch when it, um, with, his, with his final or with the one that went ahead. So, yeah, Derek Rose, probably my favourite NBA athlete logo. 
Well, I'll see your your Derek Rose, and I'll give you Kyrie Irving's as my favorite from the NBA sphere. Okay. Um, I I just think this one is so so clean, so well proportioned. Uh, it's obviously a K with with the I in the middle or two eyes. Uh, I like to think of it as the number eleven as well, which he wears at uh, at um, Brooklyn. Um, mm-hmm. This one just yeah, it has that sort of. We'll get to it soon, but the Roger Federer vibe, it has that that real sort of almost royal vibe to it as well. Um, strong, got, strong, sharp lines, and to me, just sits perfectly. That monogram look, but yeah. also the simple, clean, bold, well-executed. This is a great logo. You're definitely right. Um, yeah, it's it's nearly even got that mirror element to it too, so you could flip yep. it vertically flip it horizontally you're not getting too much variation which helps you know when we're talking about flags last week which helps with the recognition (laughs) um yeah so yeah great call probably still not as good as the Derek rose one but it's a great call oof a lot of the other ones if we want to just stick in the nba space a lot of the other ones are really um messy don't you think like the steph curry one i think you mentioned that it's been recently updated. I'm not a hundred percent sure if I've seen the new one or if I'm familiar with the old one or what. Like that's clever, but I think I don't think it's perfected. I think there's probably some things there that needed to be tweaked. You know, the curves, the sharp edges, the thin text. Um, not a fan of Durant's um, Kawhi Leonard's as well. I think there's a bit of controversy. A bit of controversy around Kawhi's. I think like his folks own the rights to the logo or something like that. I was reading a while ago, but right. Anyway, um, yeah. So, yeah, I think we, we've probably highlighted probably, you know, the best four being there. I'm not. I personally, I'm not even the biggest fan of Lebr- LeBron James either of his logos. I'm not sure if you knew that he's he had one previous to the one he's got now, but oh, the the original was a shocker, yeah. right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, um, I, yeah. Just I don't know what it is about LeBron, LeBron's, um, but yeah, it personally, doesn't sit fully well with me. But that's think, just that's just a taste thing. Yeah, to me, I think why I sort of <clears throat> don't fully relate to it is probably the proportions. So it's too wide compared to how tall it is. I think. Yeah. Should we go there? Let's should go. We go to the, should we go to the goat? Let's go. Logo? There. We've we've picked a great episode to actually talk about as well because I think the person who would sit on the other side of the fence is not here this evening. So that that's what you get from uh, that's what you get for not rocking up. And uh, he has he he has actually messaged <laughs> messaged us in our chat too while we're recording. So he's off on holidays this week. And uh, thank you, Kit, yeah. for I'm doing holding it. the fort without <laughs> quite without, shout without out. Our colleagues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I'll let you start. Give us oh. your take on Roger Federer's RF perfection. I love it. I think it's if if I can summarize it in one word, I would say class. Yep. I do recall that uh, it was 2006 Wimbledon. I think was yep. when he released it when he won. Now was that the same year that he put his pants on the wrong way around, or was that earlier? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> so nervous about um, about his speech. So he was wearing the white tracksuit, and um, he was so nervous about um, making sure that he was 
putting this this white tracksuit on that he um I'm pretty sure, yeah he put his tracksuit pants on the wrong way around or he's put his jacket on inside out or something like that and so apparently that was 2007 just looking quickly, oh, so a year after the year after <laughs> okay all right strike that from the record please Craig um yeah and I believe that his wife had some involvement with Nike in the development of that logo you may have some more information there than I but um yeah just you know with all tennis athletes I, I think it's 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 a universal sport, so it goes around the world and it's recognisable to a whole lot of different people of a whole lot of different cultures, um, a whole lot of different demographics, age, gender, everyone. You know, I'm a tennis fan and every time I've been to a tennis match, uh, you're seeing such a diverse range of people there as opposed to the basketball or as opposed to, you know, football or whatever else. So I think with their logos they need to be a little bit more um, – Mm, what's the right word? Um, not necessarily designed in a certain aspect. So when I look at the RF logo, uh, I see what you know, kind of what we talked about with Kyrie's. Um, you know that it's a monogram. Obviously, it's kind of got that royal kind of look to it. Um, it it does emulate his public persona as well. So it is it is kind of relating to who he is. Um, and yeah, that's, that's exactly something I was going to bring up as well, eh? I think in a time where serif fonts were a lot more common and I wouldn't say accepted because they're still accepted now, but um, used in culture, uh, I think it has withstood that as well, if that makes sense. It's definitely aged well, hasn't it? Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I sort of dug into it a little bit. And yeah, like you say, it was first used in 2006. And, and like we mentioned before with the, the NBA logos, came out at a time when it was more symbols and silhouettes that were athletes' logos. So this was sort of one of the first to, to be an initials kind of usage. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you say, his, his wife had a bit to do with it. They spoke about it and, and needed a logo and, and it became a way for Roger to connect to his fans and um, become, you know, a connection around the world with his, with his fans and, and with tennis. Uh, yeah. and, and he sort of mentioned tennis players don't have names or numbers on the backs of their shirts. So this was a way for, for fans to sort of join in with Roger. Uh, something that I find sort of interesting about this logo, like you say, it has that sort of royal connotation, the the high-class vibe, and, and tennis can often be associated with high-end brands like Tag Heuer or Rolex, you know, BMP Paribas, whatever, yeah. and this logo gives off that sort of Louis Vuitton vibe with the LV, in this case the RF. Uh, it's clean, it's elegant, it's classy. Like you say, perfectly encapsulates type of person that that roger is he always was you know squeaky clean on court apart from his youth days but yeah <laughs> as a pro he, yeah. he he's never sort of had any controversy or or any issues throughout his career um so i, yeah, love- <laughs> I can't speak highly enough of this logo yeah yeah man uh i love the guy uh, like obviously i don't know him but uh, i'm in love with him and i really <laughs> hope that you know, in another twenty years, we st- we're still talking of him in the same way, and there's not some Tiger Woods or 
um, cancel culture related (laughs) item that comes out uh, to do with him because, yeah. I think just in terms of tennis and, and the greats we've had recently, we definitely have just lived through the, in my opinion, the two greatest tennis players of all time in, in Roger and Rafa. Absolutely. Uh, And not to say that Djokovic isn't a great player, but, um, these two, yeah, seem to have just taken that sort of uh, <laughs> reputation to another level of yeah. athlete. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's. <laughs> yeah, there's so much more I could say on that, but let's keep it to the the, yeah. the design aspect for now. Maybe we can start a, a tennis um, <laughs> podcast or a sports commentary podcast because, yeah, I could ramble on for a long time about sure. that um, position. Well, just. Just on um, bringing on Rafa, he's got his his logo as well, the the Raging Bull. Um, and in contrast to to Roger's logo, I think his logo also perfectly encapsulates his play style and and his sort of personality. That sort of dogged, never give up, hard sort of, you know. Obviously, his nickname's the Raging Bull as well. So, mm. um, two different players, two you know, two of the greats, two two great people, but two very different personalities and, and the logos encapsulate that. Another iconic one. I probably wouldn't put it um, as strong or as recognizable as Rafa's, no. uh, sorry, as Rogers. Um, you know, when we go back and talk about the people for a minute, there's there's definitely that argument now that Rafa is, you know, I hate using the term and, and I don't, um, I don't even entertain the thought of having the conversation around who's the better player of all time or or whatever. But, you know, there's obviously argument there now that, that Rafa potentially is, you know, evidently could be in that space as far as um, championship wins. But it's interesting that the RF logo, in, in my opinion, seems to have expl- um, exploded and taken off a hell of a lot more than, than Rafa's. Um, and I do wonder if it comes down to the aesthetic or whether it is just, you know, the the Roger effect. Um, when I look at this logo, though, it, it's interesting. I didn't actually know, you know, as, as a tennis fan, I, I knew of Rafa. I didn't necessarily know of his nickname, but I, I wouldn't get a raging bull straight away from that. It, obviously, I can see it now, you know, when we, when we talk about it. Uh, I I originally thought it was some sort of thunderbolt related, you know, um, item when we're you know talking, you know, his athleticism on court and his movement on court. I originally thought it was something to do with that. Um, but let me ask you: the the horns of the bull are they in a three D space? Are they going away from you or are they coming towards you? <laughs> you. Uh... First impressions probably going away. Yeah. Which technically is incorrect, right? The bull's horns come towards you. It's a clever one. It's an interesting one because I think the longer you look at it and if you stare at it, you actually start to get both. I think you you do get the forward facing and um, you do get the rear facing. Maybe we'll put it up on a poll. What's your f- first impression <laughs> when you look at the Raging Bull logo? Is yeah. the bull running? Well, the bull's running towards you or the horns facing you or the horns going away? Um, also just, sorry, just on the, the Roger logo as well. Um, when he moved to Uniqlo a couple of yeah. years ago, um, did you have any notes on that? 
Yeah, so he, he moved to Uniqlo in 2018, um, and Nike owned the logo originally, so sort of took him a little while to to get the rights to it, and in 2020 was the first time after leaving Nike that he was able to, to use the logo on his garments. It always featured on his shoes because he still wore Nike shoes. So. He still wore the Nike shoes, yeah, yeah, but he couldn't have it on the Uniqlo stuff. And again, it it talks about the public persona of who he is, even at a time when I'm sure for him that would be a very big point of contention, right? Like yeah. it's his identity and for Nike not to give that up, I'm sure in the boardroom he would not be the person that he is no. when he's, <laughs> he's out in public as far as fighting for that. But, you know, to his credit, even on all of his public posts around, you know, when he was partnering with Uniqlo, he he held himself, um, you know, quite elegantly and just said, it'll it'll come. I haven't yeah. got it yet. You know, Nike has <laughs> still got it. But, you know, we're still working through all of the the details with that. So it almost it almost came off as a bit of a FU from Nike, didn't it? Even though, you know, owning the logo had no value for them really at that point once he'd left Nike because they couldn't use it on anything and he couldn't then use it. So interesting that they held on to it. But well it was Nike. It was Nike's decision not to continue to sign him. Nike yeah. decided that your time's nearly up. We can't invest another X amount of dollars in you for, you know, two or three more years. Now if the pandemic didn't happen, Roger still would have been maybe you never know with his injuries, but he would have still been playing for what you say it was? 18, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. You retired this year. So another five years out of him. I think mm-hmm. Uniqlo was a seven-year con. Oh, actually, I think it might have been a 10-year contract. But still, that's, you know. Yeah, it was interesting because I, I read that um, it actually cost Nike more to have him wear the RF logo than it made them in profits as well. So um, that was that was an interesting little What's thing. What's that? They had to pay... Roger. Well, it basically cost them more to own his brand than it made them in sales and stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they weren't prepared to give it up. No, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> and just last thing on uh, uh, Rafa's before we move on. Sorry. Yep. Why do they have to start with the same letter? Um, <laughs> I was just going to say the the whole Raging Bull thing sort of relates to that, uh, that whole Matador Spanish culture as well. So. Mm. Obviously, the red clay, the the red rag to a bull, Rafa's style. So that's yeah. where that bull link comes from as well. Yeah. And if we're talking about symbolism, can I move on to your favorite tennis player? Not really. Um, one of your favorite logos, Andy Murray's. What a rubbish logo, eh? Oh. <laughs> I actually don't mind it. I, 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 it's not perfect, but... Yeah. You know, it's all right. So Andy Murray's AM77, um, this one was designed by Dan Calderwell via branding agency ASOP Sorry, uh, Dan. In, in London. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, the, the so this is uh, an extract from that. So the new identity uses Andy's initials incorporating the number 77, uh, a number that uh, holds high significance for Murray. It was 77 years since the um, since a British man had won Wimbledon um, and he achieved the landmark on the seventh day of the seventh month. So 77 has become quite a close number for Andy Murray. Um, we wanted to create a modern mark that 
captures Andy's energy and spirit whilst subtly referencing his affinity with that number. Um, it's simple and striking with heraldic cues that echo his dominance on the court. It's also supposed to be a mono, uh, monogram as well with the AM in there as well as the 7-7, obviously. Um, I think that's probably a bit of a stretch considering the A also forms the first arch of the M, if I recall correctly. Oh, maybe I'm second-guessing myself now. but um, it's like yeah. the right-hand side line of it. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate it, um, but again, yeah, it's probably not one of those ones that I love or think will necessarily stand the test of time. Um, probably does also emulate a little bit of Andy Murray, like Andy was or is a player that when you talk about Rafa just fights and fights and fights. He's mm. uh, What do you say He you when you compare Cristiano Ronaldo to Messi, Messi's the talent and Ronaldo is the... Yeah, the obviously. Work, right? So Andy obviously, Murray's... Yeah, obviously they both worked hard, but you think you, you sort of get the sense that Messi was born with the talent, whereas Ronaldo sort of worked for it. Yeah, and I, I find that Andy Murray is in that same space. Like he's just continued to work his butt off um, to you know, be the best. Yeah. And I think he was the best for a very short period of time in, in unfortunately an era of greats. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're talking tennis again. Stay on track, stay on track. Um, so yeah, there's, there's the Andy Murray one for you. Yeah. No, I've, I don't know. I think, it, yeah, it's, it's a logo to me. It's a logo. <laughs> I don't know. I, I won't dwell too long on it. Um, and then you've got the, the last member, of the the big four and probably the most talented of the four in Novak's logo uh, revealed in 2012. It incorporates his initials shock. Um, and it refers to, to Greek and the Serbian alphabet with the sort of a looking letter uh, in both re- relate uh, both languages translating to first uh, and then birds in flight representing freedom and dreams. Uh, it also takes cues from the shape of the tennis ball, white curves, um, and the construction of a tennis ball. Yep. And this one, I don't know if I don't really see Novak in this logo as much as I see Roger or Rafa in their particular logos. I agree with you on this one. I, yeah, uh, I feel like there's too much. There's too much going on and they've tried to make it work. I don't know whether you found the YouTube video of him when he released that. Um, Man, isn't that a bit of a time capsule too, looking back at that video, which 10, 15 years ago now, and um, I don't even know if it was necessarily trendy at the time, but uh, it it kind of explained a whole lot of, you know, the building of the logo and all of the different elements. And whilst I saw it all and I thought it was, you know, relatively clever at the same time, I thought, you know, it's just too much going on here. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, And they they certainly didn't do that. I also don't, as you said, don't think it necessarily relates to Novak in any way from a public persona point of view. Yeah, with him, I I would expect in my mind something a bit more square and boxy i don't know why but <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, um, yeah 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 well, I, interestingly before you brought up tiger woods as well um his sort of not his original but the tw in the pendant flag was was a very nice logo i thought very classy 
very classy logo. I actually tried to do a bit of deep diving into the Tiger Woods logo, and I must admit I kept getting distracted or struggled to find any, um, you know, evidence of the design other than he's he's been with Nike from the beginning, I believe. He did have Since a logo. Like six years old or something. <laughs> yeah. He did have a logo before the, the, the ones that, that is now famous, and um, they tried to adopt yeah, something that was a little bit more upper class. Um, I find that logo, it's it's quite vertical, right? Like um, we even had conversations early on when we were building the foundations of this podcast and we were playing around with a whole lot of logos um, and we found we were, we were sticking with a vertical one for quite a long time and it just wasn't mm. sitting well. There's, there's something wrong with it. It wasn't quite quite right. Now it would be unfair of me to say that the the TW logo logo isn't that because it is a very classy logo, um, very well executed. Works in negative space again, one of those things you can flip on a, a horizontal plane and you'll still get it. Um, I find the dimensions are a little bit out, so when you when you're using it on headwear particularly, um, it, you know there's a lot of empty Can't space. Can't get it wide enough, can you? around it that's right but if you're incorporating it onto a polo um any of that apparel type stuff i think yeah it sits really well um and the the public perception that we had of tiger woods at the time i think it definitely related to him then him as a golfer even now still yep absolutely it's it's that if class is the word that you want to call it that that class in there have you seen his new Tiger Woods Ventures logo? Is it the three spires? The three yeah. thing of spires? Yeah, I have seen it. Is there anything to it? <laughs> um, well, yeah, so he sort of wanted to bring all his brands under under one head brand and um, it was released in 2016 and features three sort of, yeah, stretched out triangles. Um that in the negative space make a W. Um, the the triangles themselves can sort of represent woods or trees, so the tall pines standing okay. up, uh, and also tiger claws apparently. So like the claws uh, okay. <laughs> scratching. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of again. Let me waff- just uh, let me just do a far reach over here yeah. because that's certainly what that is. That's a bit of waffle gone into that one, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's a bit of a downgrade from his his TW pendant. Yeah. And look, while we're on golf, um, I think you mentioned before uh, at the very start the jump man. I think the, the, the only one that probably surpasses that as being longer is Greg Norman's The Shark logo. Um, so... Greg was, I think this was around the 80s. Um, he picked up the nickname Great White Shark. I think the 81 Masters. Yeah, here I've got it here. 81 Masters, he he picked up the nickname the Great White Shark. Um, he decided to step away from his management company that he was with at the time and moved over to Reebok. And um, he was endorsing, endorsing Reebok products and developed a working relationship with the founder, Paul Feynman. Um, and Feynman's Reebok created the shark logo for Norman and sold it back to him for a dollar. <laughs> then he leased it back to the company on a long-term licensing agreement and that became um, the basis of the, the Greg Norman logo. Yeah, right. Um, 
I'm not sure how exposed you are to to the logo living in Brisbane, Queensland and you know heading up the Sunshine Coast and stuff like that. I think he's got a golf course up there. I mean, this 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 guy's a businessman now. He's he's probably all over the place, but the Greg Norman the the shark logo, I've seen it around a fair bit. Um it did get a bit of a update, I think in maybe late 20 teens, um maybe a little bit before covid and um they tidied up the lines they got rid of a whole lot of the colors and i think they've gone with a more blue and white color combination added his his name at the bottom of it but i always found that shark logo a bit definitely had that 80s 90s feel to it um nearly like beach accommodation style I don't know if you get that in there. Um, cheap resort look, eh? <laughs> there you go, cheap resort, yeah. But um, you know, there must be it, something though. in the Greek there must be something in the the golf culture that um speaks class because it has stood a very long time and is held with great regard. It could just be the the man that is, yeah. but um yeah, it, it has stuck around and, and has held held on tight. For the most part, the rebrand certainly has brought new life into it and cleaner lines and finer detailing and, and has, you know, taken Greg Norman um, further in his business aspirations and, um, yeah, brought it up into a modern look and feel. Another guy who you sort of look at and you think that uh, that sort of squeaky clean, classy guy, maybe not for some, um, with some of the quote-unquote cheating that, has happened. Yes. I refuse to call it cheating as a Patriots fan. <laughs> well, okay. But, um, Tom Brady and, and his TB12 brand. Um, this one I don't think is as classy as the others at all. The sort of TB with the 12 also in there and it cut in half. It's another one that's sort of overdone and too much gone into it. Whereas you could pair it right back and and make something a bit classier, I think. Yes, very like American sports show, ESPN vibe, r- r- rather than classy businessman, squeaky clean, forty five year old quarterback logo. Yeah, Uh I think most people actually are on the 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 same page as you are with that one, mate. I think um, looking through the forums and on, on the interweb around this logo. Um, yeah, actually not a lot of fans. I think there's plenty more fans of Tom Brady than there are of Tom Brady's logo and Tom <laughs> Brady fans. <laughs> um, Tom Brady fans even say they're not the biggest fan of this. Definitely feels forced, right? Yeah. Uh, I feel it feels forced. Is there a way that we can get that number fixed in with his initials? And it was certainly at a time in which numbers and initials being in sports logos were at its peak um, and yeah the legibility it's it's you know when we talked about some of those key things before about being able to flip it you know is it clear mm. um does it represent the persona the public persona that it is the the playing attributes there's nothing there for me other than the number and the initials and i don't think it was necessarily executed well so some something I guess on a design point of view I've always struggled with is with initials is is having one initial that's very straight lines and square and then a curved second or first initial. Mm. Um, and the my T, initials. 
yeah or, or mine uh, your the, initials the nb okay the sort of middle points are straight so you can use that but um yeah and also the the sort of weight of the t versus the b so the t is very slim lined and, and doesn't have any bulk to it whereas the b is obviously quite a heavy looking letter mm-hmm. the, the capital b so it is a difficult pair of letters to to team together and then to try and add the 12 in there as well you're asking a lot yeah yeah certainly not on the the high end of the list of athlete logos yeah i suppose just quickly we should mention football um we don't have to dive too deep into them but obviously there's there's probably the two key ones that we want to talk about yeah 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 Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo's got his, his CR7 brand, and he hasn't quite ever settled on a on a font or anything. Um, so, the brand itself, CR7, is is well known, but the logo, perhaps not quite as well known. Um, I am familiar. I'm just bringing it up now. That's actually one that I didn't dive too deep into, other than someone um, pretty much shitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. It, has it changed over time or is it still that CR in, in the bottle green with kind of that seven that's also a lightning bolt? So that was sort of a like a Portugal variation for him. There is right. one um, with sort of a, a kind of a thicker text CR with a slimline seven. Oh, okay. Uh, yes, I've got this one here too. Yep. That was the sort of main original one. And then there's also a, a sort of current one where the text is quite tall and slim. Uh, CR7, Cristiano Ronaldo written underneath. And I'm yep. pretty sure that had something to do with his move to Juventus because they sort of were using the style yeah. of font, font um, at the time, same time he moved. So I'm sure it was a, a marketing thing between himself and the club. I've also got one here. I don't know whether it's legit or not, but it's a C that kind of, it's a monogram. The C kind of loops into the R. Um, yeah. And then the the T in Cristiano is is a seven. Um, yeah. That's probably, a, I don't know if that's a real one or not, but I probably like that one more than, than any of the others. I've also yeah. seen here King Charles III's um, royal insignia. Similar, eh? um, yeah maybe they but, should just use that cr and and swap out the three and put the roman numeral of seven in there and take that <laughs> on board hey <laughs> well that that um cs or ronaldo logo is sort of used on his endorsements with like underwear and perfume and shoes and so it's the sort of more high-end brand one i guess yeah okay um, but yeah the fact that there is three or four that we're talking about here sort of means that one hasn't really settled and, and caught the the imagination. Really stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about his rival? Old Lionel Messi. Leo. Leo. Um, yeah, his, it's probably a better a pure logo. Uh, it's sort of a split M. Um, looks quite aggressive. Got that sort of South American flair and aggression to it. Uh, and it's sort of points into an arrowhead um, as it moves down with the sort of flame going up through the center of it. Mm. So definitely a, a stronger and more longer lasting logo than what Ronaldo's has turned out to be. Yeah, I also am not 
really associating with this one. I think it's an iconic logo, definitely. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not much of a European football fan, so I'm not or football fan in general for that matter, but I'm not, um, I, I know enough about Messi and I know this was done by Adidas and I've tried looking for the article that I read when this logo came out or at a time, you know, earlier in my career when it came across my path. And I, I'm certain that the logo um, was forced to have the three stripes in it. I'm almost yeah, certain of reading effectively, that. Effectively, yeah. Um, and so it was all kind of built around that. Um, curiously, when he released this logo, it was just a post on socials, right? Like it was just a post to say, this is my logo, this is who I am. And then that that was it. There was no real strong promo around it or any kind of hype or um, build up with it. I, you know, I could be completely wrong here, but I nearly feel like it was a bit forced and perhaps at a time when athletes, you know, even like today, the athletes were needing signature brands and it was at a point where you know messy we need you to have a brand to sell yeah you know, your, your gear and it's sort uh, of a an insight into both athletes as well Ronaldo's that marketable larger than life figure and messi's never quite been that he's always been the sort of understated unassuming not really getting the headlines kind of guy um and the fact that the logo was released like that shows shows that really mm. Um, it, it does have some nice, interesting shapes to it. Like you said, it's kind of got, I've seen it compared online to like, you know, superhero, Superman type mm. vibes. Um, and I probably tend to agree with that a little bit. Um, I don't necessarily feel there's the need for the text underneath. I don't know whether that's formally part of the logo, but that, that three stripes in the E again, you know, we're getting the three stripes vertically mm. and now horizontally as well. Um, I actually don't think that the text underneath is needed. Interestingly, that they're using a lowercase I um, and then yeah. the others are all uppercase as well. The font probably doesn't necessarily match with the the icon um, when, you know, yeah, we've got these kind together. of, yeah, kind of got these curves to it, which we're not really seeing um, too much. On the icon itself, um, but yeah, I mean it's it's a bold image. I just don't really associate it too much no. with him. And I guess oh, there's there's plenty of athletes who have done it in football. Um, Ronaldinho with his R10 was quite playful. But the last one I'll bring up is Neymar, um, and he's another one who hasn't really had a logo that stuck. So I've just sent through to you in Discord. Um, his his newest logo of the four he's had throughout his career, uh, the first three being sort of designed by Nike and then becoming a Puma athlete, they've, they've changed it. Mm -hmm. So he's often gone with quite a strong NJR or, you know, sharp text. Yep. Um, sharp text with, with his initials, you know, the Neymar Jr. or, or Neymar, the full word. And the, the current logo features an N with sort of, J that hooks around to the top and the bottom of the end. Um, again, it's a nice enough monogram, but I don't get Neymar vibes from it. The one I sort of relate to the most is the the shield with the Neymar on three lines, so N-E-Y-M-A-R. I don't know why mm -hmm. I've always liked that one. It's probably not the greatest logo, but I've always always quite liked that one. And it, although it's very 
boxy and square it's also got that sort of brazilian playful vibe with all the kicks and flicks and the way the letters move it certainly has more personality than the current puma one doesn't it yeah for sure the puma one feels very corporate very corporate which Um, which isn't neymar he's that you know that party guy the the brazilian football the samba dancing that kind of style yeah sure um yeah I don't think I'm looking at four logos now that you've shared with me and none of them really scream playful. Um, I probably tend to agree with you looking at them here that the the one that you've mentioned is probably the best, but even still, like what is the application for this? Is this on his website? Is this on, you know, just a runner shoes? Um, Cause that's probably a little bit of hard detailing. I imagine to get on there. It's quite thin, mm. um, you know, shirts, I can imagine your know, small logo on the chest or, you know, big screen print down the spine of, of a shirt or something like that. But yeah, still probably my best. Compare it to the one you got now. There's no personality to that. There's just it's just a few initials, and even then, the Puma logo's been added to this. I don't know whether that's that's just this screenshot or not. But yeah, this is probably corporate branding gone too far. I'd say, or athlete branding yeah. gone too far. Yeah, especially with with the type of athlete athlete they've done it to. Well, I have one more. I was just going to ask if you have any sort of local. Australian athlete logos or Kiwis? Locals? Yeah. Uh, there's a Leighton Hewitt one that comes to mind. I think for a very short period um, when he won the Brisbane International, he was sporting his own branded apparel. I think he'd moved away from Yonex at that point in time and he had a a command type symbol. <laughs> there. Yeah. He was, you know, hat backwards with the... The classic. You know, everyone, knows, everyone knows the what come on is if you're a tennis fan. Yeah. Um, if you don't, check out the the highlight story or the um, Instagram. Um, yeah, so he had something like that, which I didn't like the logo at all. But no, you know, <laughs> it's a bit dodgy. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, at least it's him. I'll give you one well, from Australia then. Just okay. Why I sort of brought it up. Um, yeah. When Jared Hayne went over to the san francisco 49ers he uh he uh sort of tried to cash in on his own brand over in the u.s and um during the 2015 sort of time he spent with the niners he he looked to market himself and the logo features his initials in between a set of wings that are described as being like the fijian falcon um hayne obviously having fijian heritage and and playing for the fijian sevens rugby side Mm-hmm. Uh, the logo was sh- short-lived, um, obviously due to the failure of his sort of NRL career. But I don't know. I've always quite liked it. I, I, by your reaction, I, I think you'll disagree with me. But I think this is quite sort of strong. It's got that sort of like that strong, almost sinister vibe to it that we talked about last week with the Germanic and Albanian symbols. Um, That's the first thing that came to mind with me. Actually, was the color combination and kind of that bird type shape to it. It's yep. obviously not exactly the same, but it, it you know it has that blur factor to it. If you kind of blur your eyes and you look at it, it's in that similar space. Yeah. Um, Another one of those logos, though, that you can flip and still yeah. works that way. Yep, for the most part. Yep, you're losing the J a little bit, but um, yeah. No, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Actually, Nick Nick Kyrgios, our mate, your good friend, Nick Kyrgios, he um he has a logo too. I think it's more for his like um youth foundation, but it does it does have a very nineties feel to it. It's kind of got those colours going on. Youth, isn't it? <laughs> but it, yeah, it does incorporate an NK um insignia in there, which yeah, it's not what I would relate to him as, obviously, but um yeah, I think it's more it's more towards his um off court, you know, foundation type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Anyway, there are there are a ton more. Um not not Australian local, but you know, I've got a page and a half worth of ones that, you know, we probably should come back to at another another time and dive deeper into a few of them. We we didn't talk, you know, I think there was a few other silhouette logos, Shaq obviously, a few baseballers. Um, that are in there too. A few boxing ones as well that we didn't touch on. A few more female tennis players, Venus Williams, who has one that's more devoted to her clothing line. But, um, yeah, I reckon we come back and do this at another time. Yeah, I think we've covered quite a few in this one, so we'll we'll have a round two at some point. Um, and to the listeners, I guess, um, what, it, what, were your, yeah, what are your suggestions for the best logos of... Are we on the money with any of them here? Have we, you know, crucially missed one that should have been mentioned in, in the episode today? Um, you can let us know by sending us an email, fieldofdesignpodcast at gmail.com uh, or message us at our Instagram at fieldofdesignpodcast. Anyone um, who disagrees, though, that Rogers is the best is uh, just wrong. You're not getting our votes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and similarly, if you've liked what you have heard today and uh, have any suggestions on topics in the similar vein or other topics that you recommend we should talk about, please reach out and let us know. Um, speaking of, we have a few messages in the mailbag, mate. We've got one here from our friend Marie uh, from NQ Cowboys. was just listening to the flag episode. Random fact on the Philippine flag is that it's the only flag to be flipped during wartime. So the blue stripe sits under the red during conflict. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah. A message from uh, Yowie919 on our post for the ISC Raiders 2023 jerseys. Same jersey every year, they say. I probably have to disagree with that, don't you? No, I'll, I'll completely agree, <laughs> especially the Raiders. <laughs> it's just okay. some some royal blue, yellow, and, and white stripes on a green jersey. I think you've just got some bias, bud. I think you need to let your vendetta of the Raiders go. And I don't just... even know why I dislike them. Because <laughs> like, the Warriors beat them in 2002 in the finals, so I, I don't know why I dislike them, but I don't know. I just do. You just do. Sticking with the... Raiders, we've got a Canberra Raiders jersey nerd on Instagram commenting on our numbering system post for the Kangaroos. Yes, love them, they say. I believe players should choose their own numbers at club level. Then at rep level, follow the system. Everyone has the apps these days. They can check the positions if needed. Players can play multiple positions anyway these days, so we just don't like change and use tradition as an excuse. Also, from a merch point of view, it's a huge money having players pick their numbers. Which yes, we which we've discussed about. with yes, clubs probably not wanting to give the players a cut in certain situations. And then old kits mate Dane Roy has come at me with uh, some 
advice on my take on zeros being used on number jersey, saying it's a, a dodgy take. I wholeheartedly disagree with him, and uh, he's just wrong. So I think you're you're fucking <laughs> that all by yourself, mate. You're gonna go down swinging. <laughs> I will die on this hill. Zero, zero is a rubbish number. <laughs> yeah, you fight that battle. I'll just sit here with my popcorn watch. <laughs> all right, I think that's pretty much the show. Anything else we've got to add? Nope. No, I'll give you that jersey reveal next week, the denim one. All right, no worries. Pop it in there. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, if you have liked what you've heard today, please remember to subscribe. You can share the podcast with um, anyone who you feel may be interested or is keen on the sports creative industry. As um, as we mentioned last week, we do have another guest lined up before we finish up for the year, and we also have our awards episode to close out the year which is only a few weeks away nick i need to get on to finalizing our visuals for the field of design awards so let's book in some time to discuss that um if you are listening and you have liked what you have heard don't forget to leave us a review and some stars on your preferred podcast app how many stars should we go with nick uh, let's have 20. Roger Federer's Grand Slam wins. Lock it in, Edward. 20 stars. Big shout out to you, my friend. Nick, yeah. thank you for joining me on today's episode. I actually had a really fun time having a look yeah. at these <laughs> over yeah, the last few mate. days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think next week we might do a bit of a dive into FIFA World Cup logos in the lead up to the FIFA World Cup. What do you reckon? Yep. Let's do it. Mexico wins. Oh, okay. Well, yep. maybe we maybe we just don't have the episode then. We'll just, <laughs> we'll just post that on Instagram next week. <laughs> nah, sweet. All right. Thank you, everybody. And, um, yeah, keep an eye out on the Instagram for great content. And we'll talk again soon. Catch you later.